Uh, honey, that's Scoosh. what I'm saying. Like the minutia. Scoosh. Scoosh. Smoosh. <laughs> we're ready. And, and we're done uh, now. That's we're what done we, now. We should do a punk. A punk. The, a punk the, the podcast. Oh. <laughs> Everyone would be so happy. They're like, you mean I don't have to sit here for two hours? Hi, this is For the Girls Podcast. I'm Nick yes. Westrait. And I'm Jason Black, <laughs> and this and is we a, are so happy. We're so happy to be potting in the in the, <laughs> in the apocalypse. We can't even tell you. We can't even tell you how happy we are. Um, I've had such a good day. I cannot <laughs> wait. This is a podcast, and I'm just gonna keep going. You know what? This is a podcast for. <laughs> this is a podcast about queer people and their obsession for divas. This is a podcast. Yep. Who's this podcast for, Jay? Okay, this is a yeah. This is a, this is a queer podcast. Um, I always like to just state we we were just two queer little boys who just were absolutely inspired by by and driven by female artists and mm. that's what we're doing here. Yes. So if you like that idea, if you're obsessed with smash, women, smash that download button. You can write smoosh a review. It, like it. You can like it. You can share it on things. But it's not just for queer people who are obsessed with divas. This podcast is also for drug addicts. It's for this po- uh, it's for abusive moms. It's it's for it's for maybe non-abusive moms who took you to the video store and didn't shame you for renting the things you wanted. Yes, it's for it's for all the housewives of Beverly Hills. The, <laughs> it's this podcast is for when you want to make like a, a healthy smoothie. <laughs> My favorite part. And just add a skosh, a half of a, a half bottle, a bottle of, of vodka. <laughs> oh, so iconic! Hi, Jay. Oh. Welcome back. Well, oh, thank you, thank you for welcoming <laughs> back. Yeah. This Let's is just a day. little slice this, of paradise. But yeah, here. this is a little. Yeah. This podcast we yeah. like to make so that you all can just leave everything behind because we're going to have to leave everything behind today in order to enter. A space of fandom and love. So we want you to all just leave behind all the world because we're not going to mention it. And you and just... you're just going to yeah listen to my soothing voice. Everyone always says, Get... "Jay, you got the most soothing, <laughs> soothing." It's that deep baritone velvet. You got a velvet voice. That's why we listen to it. I just want you to just get and just imagine you're in a rusty ass Thunderbird and drive to a lot in Hollywood and just in 1991 and just imagine you're there watching the extras walk by and you're just going to sit in your car and listen to a podcast even though those didn't exist in 1991 but you're going to escape from your day. Yeah, while you listen to this, you could while you're sitting in that car, you could either really smoke a cigarette or fake smoke a cigarette. That would oh. make you feel like you're in the 90s. Babes. I deeply fake smoke all the time as a former smoker. Um, I love fake smoking. I, yes, I love them all. Um, I love both, <laughs> it turns out. Um, girl, I just did my first um, birthday Zoom oh, how fun celebration. Was that? Was that fun for you? <laughs> Everyone was like, your audio's not on. Your audio's not on. And I kept like nodding, like, yeah, <laughs> but not knowing how to change it. You know what it was, but I, and I, and I mentioned it, it was really fun. And, and it, they, they are absolute fans of the podcast. And I just have to shout them out because right when I got on, um, it's, it's, uh, 
my friends Amunda and Hannah Doe. They are twins and actually aunties and nieces. So yes, contemplate that. This podcast happens to be day. This happens to be for aunties and nieces and twins. Wait, Hannah, your friends are Hannah Doe. They are one is the aunt and one is the niece. One is t- an auntie and an, and one is a niece, and they're also twins. They're the exact same age. In the same family? So, yes. Wow. I love that yes. when aunts and nieces are the same age. I think. It, 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 they're absolutely beautiful, and I have to shout them out because right when we got on, Miss Hannah Doe was just, was just blowing us up oh, and passing nice. information to everyone at the birthday. It was Hannah not Doe. about me or for the girls, but <laughs> Hannah really just, I mean, I got, we got not one, we got three shout outs on, on their birthday. So I was not, so that was what I was not predicting. Every, um, so yes, everyone happy find, birthday. Everyone for find you Hannah Doe on Cash App and sent her $20. <laughs> Anamunda, Anamunda. Uh, and what if we like made them a bunch of money with that? Um, <laughs> and we made none. <laughs> we already made a million dollars. That's all we needed. We're, but we we're also have other tea, y'all, because we are okay, our last we, have fans. we have other fans. We have other so fans. So last week we did our second, our our second iconic double episode of the second season of the comeback, and featuring the luminous Maxwell Jenkins, and who commented on our gram but Gigi herself Bane Gibby goddess goddess goddess, goddess Bane, Bane Gibby, Gibby. <laughs> she is so come to Gigi come, come to, Gigi. to Gigi we had named our entire episode for her and she fucking blew up our Instagram comments she loved it and then she emailed her friend Meryl Hathaway who plays Andy the kind of super musical theater director of Seeing Red, who's always doing like a, a breakdance move, Andy Tate. She's wearing that Broadway Bears hat. <laughs> and putting snakes on Valerie in the trunk, who we did not talk enough about the ep- in the episode, because she is so fucking funny. And me being from the Broadway theater in New York is so emblematic of so many people that are real. And she sends them up with such... Love and perfect humor. I love, I love that performance so much. So that was, yeah, I mean, I could die. Okay, so next up, we know that y'all have been super excited for our book club of Little Fires Everywhere, but we have some, <laughs> we have some bad news. <laughs> Tell them, babe. We didn't go to paradise, okay? Okay, so remember when we did, remember when, like, we decided to do half a podcast and that we couldn't do, um... Uh, uh, we, we couldn't get into Cobb Cove with our famous at this point, um, my favorite murder she wrote. Well, <laughs> they got a slightly similar situation. Um, you know, we attempted, we, we att- tried, and we failed. We did, we How failed. about that? Yes. We, um, here's the deal, because I know some fans have reached out saying that they were buying the book on sources that were not that one book website, that were other websites, and I was really excited that everyone was doing that, and that we all, and we all read a book in quarantine, so high five us. I really enjoyed the book, um, but we had a little more trouble atta- getting really into the Hulu television series, and this podcast is about celebrating women, and my mother always taught me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, at Olympia Dukakis, 
taught me from Sierra Magnolias, if you don't have anything nice to say, uh, sit next to me. <laughs> but that is not what this podcast is, no. is about. And, and I know it just seems like we literally are just out to lunch and just blab, blab at the mouth. But, but I think the, you know, we, we really do a Marie Kondo with our stuff. And even if it's just so esoteric, it, it has to spark joy for Nick and I. Yeah. And we have to kind of quickly respond to it in a way. And, and if, we're, if we're not, we just, we just kind of have to let it go. We kind of have to have an angle. And we just couldn't quite find one. Not to say that this might not be your bag. You might, you might be all about be this bag. series. Go for it. Go and, and for it. it. Yeah. And read, read it. And read it. I really love the book. See the series. Um, I d- found different things about the book. <laughs> um, that, that was just so. And, yeah. When it, yes. Anyway, so, so that was our journey. We're not doing it. Surprise. Sorry, Surprise. but yeah, We're if not you read a it. book, you didn't lose anything. You never lose out by reading. I don't think. No. Rarely. No. Unless you're reading something horrible. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Unless. <laughs> and, so, and so then <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, "What about Mein Kampf?" Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> If you're reading that, you're <laughs> shut up. Everyone's um, gonna do that. Our fans are so nice. We don't actually have our any fans trolls. are gonna be like, he's wrong. We don't have any Here's trolls why. on this podcast because it's too long we and don't. esoteric for people yeah. who hate it to listen to it long enough to get mad. <laughs> and ants don't have Instagrams. <laughs> Another one. Yes, they do. Here's my aunt that does. <laughs> Hannah Doe does. She's or no, Amunda. She's an auntie. She's an um, auntie. So, um, so, so then we, so then we, you know, so then we tried to make, do a left turn and <laughs> we went to try and watch the documentary on Natalie Woods, um, yes. uh, produced and directed by her daughters called, uh, what remains behind. And mm-hmm. well, <laughs> we couldn't get an angle on that one either girls. <laughs> we also watched that. We watched it. We watched it and we couldn't quite find our no. way into it. Mm-mm. And, and so that kind of. And that I don't think I would recommend. <laughs> like, you don't need. To, I, I one, you can give a you can give a pass to that talk. You you can pass that doc. Um, it's it, it or unless you want to see something and then kind of be like woed by what they do at the end because yeah. it's it's a kind of shocker. And so we were just kind of racking our brains, and then we and but we were but with that Natalie Wood topic about um, her and her daughters, we. We did find our joy. We, we found, found our, our joy. And you, you know it because sure you can fucking read the title of this episode. <laughs> you can That's see the right. Instagram link. <laughs> That's right, bitches. Last night we watched Postcards from the Edge again. Again, I, uh, you know, I didn't really, I remembered some of the scenes, but... So you know we you know we always talk about how we're doing like the old musty VHS collection. Mm-hmm. This is definitely falls in that in that um, in that in that kind of lineage. But for me, like all of those we've done, Working Girls and um, and Sue Magnolia's, like I knew those by heart. I did not know this mm. one by heart. Oh, it filled me with such joy. I love this movie. This movie was, I realized how much I was into this movie. It was a little later than those movies, you know, came out a few years later. But there are literal things in this movie, and we'll get to it. We'll tell you the entire plot. Don't worry. That I saw, and I was like, oh, that's where I learned about that thing. Hmm. Was from seeing it in this movie. Or that's, like, I imitate certain things Shirley MacLaine does in this movie to this day. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Because Shirley MacLaine really growing up was one of my number one divas. I know I say that about everybody, but I no. full on had a guarding Tess poster in my bedroom. <laughs> I I watched this and I actually one of the things I've submitted to Nick is should we should do a, a Shirley MacLaine um, uh, a battle royale between ourselves, like who is the bigger Stan? Because watching this, I felt washed by the light of Shirley MacLaine. I was like, oh, oh okay, like you are. <laughs> your perfection you are sh- Shirley MacLaine had made like a hundred movies before this she's so good at being in cinema I can't even cope with how good she is in this movie she's the I, perfect she's the ideal level of camp and re- but then realism at the same time <sighs> it's as if like it's yeah exactly like what like she she gets how to ham it up and constantly be human underneath it Yes, that's why this part is so great for her. This part is oh. it's such a perfect it's such a perfect part of Doris Mann. I think it's a perfect part. I really I think we are watching someone I, I was like, Oscar, 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 how did this miss? Meryl got nominated. Meryl got nominated. Shirley did not. Shirley got nominated, I think, for the Golden Globe, and she got nominated for the BAFTA for Best Lead Actress for this. Not supporting, which was curious, and Meryl was not nominated for the BAFTA because they used oh. to be a lot more independent than they are now. Now they just all nominate the same people over and over again. But um, yeah, of course, you know, also this movie also stars the great Meryl Streep, um, Oscar's greatest catnip, the greatest actor. But uh, I said this very early in the movie. I wrote this in my notes. This is peak Meryl to me. This oh, is really? peak. This is my favorite kind of Meryl. I like I like my Meryl without an accent. Without a big impersonation, being human and wry and vulnerable, like this is the Meryl that is the same Meryl, akin to the Meryl we see in Adaptation and The Hours and uh, Defending Your Life. And this Meryl is my all. I like the other Meryls too. I'm into Julie and Julia Meryl. I'm into the other Meryls. But this, this Meryl can really just punch me in the gut with a look. Yes, this, this, yes. And, oh, honeys, I just kept writing, fashion, fashion, fashion. Come for the performances, stay for the fashion, mama. <laughs> stay for the um, ruffled off-the-shoulder gowns. Stay for the jean jacket, because it will stay for you. Like, uh, th- like there is not a scene without that jean jacket. It's, that jean jacket reminded me a lot of the jean jacket I bought when we were in Palm Springs in February. Yes, and everything I wear, right? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to maybe mention a movie in there. Um, uh... You see what my peak Meryl is, and I realize this is, um, which we're going to do. Don't you worry, uh, Kit and Cats. We're going to do this movie, which is Death Becomes Her. Oh, and yeah. I, because she, and I realized like, oh, you just took a page from Miss Shirley MacLaine's book and took it to your next movie. Mm. That hammy, mm-hmm. that, I mean, I was that like, diva. oh. The diva, like, I was like, oh, you got a master class for <sighs> Death Becomes Her. And you were fully ready, fully to, ready. to be a vain narcissist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I think Sharon McLean gives so many layers in this film, always, I am not about ready layers. to slap that. Just those simple, simple words on her. So, okay, my memory of this is is again having a mom who kind of let me have my take the my own reins in the musty old video store, and I remember this cover so intensely. 
mm-hmm. and I remember the title and, and and like it was like one of my first exposures to like well isn't that poetry like it literally <laughs> looks like it's like Whoa. postcards from the edge of a cliff but I'm pretty sure it means something deeper I will <laughs> once I get older I'll find out um <laughs> Right? Postcards from the Edge is such an issue. You know, it's not, it's, it's no it's, like misery or, you know, it's a real well, that's title. because it was written by the great poet Carrie Fisher. Yes. Okay, so I don't know. So I'm, I'm so sure you kids all know this, diva, right? Diva filled. This movie is filled with great divas and was written by a great diva, Carrie Fisher, who we love so much. And we will also do an episode on that fucking Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds documentary. Give us time. We have plenty of things to cover. No one's going anywhere. So I I know all y'all out there are not thinking that Carrie Fisher only was Princess Leia. No, 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 sweeties. If that's true, do you do a little looksie loo? Um, but yes, uh, she wrote Postcards from the Edge, and Origin- originally it was yeah. a book that was in five segments. The first segment was actually postcards um, written to her brother. So the whole book kind of deals with Carrie. You know, it's 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 considered semi-autobiography. Biograph, blah, blah, blah. semi-biographical, semi-biographical, semi-biographical. There we go. <laughs> I said it like five times. Um, <laughs> and it deals. It, so, so it, it it kind of deals with her experiences um, uh, with her addiction to drugs, and that's kind of what the whole book kind of uh, is encapsulating in it. For the first part is little literal postcards to her brother, and. Then I think the second part is a monologues between her and a guy that she's seen. It's monologues mm-hmm. going back and forth. And then the last three parts are kind of like a straight narrative. Um, and mostly the mom's not really in the book, uh, you know, and it really just kind of focuses on uh, what it's like to be an addict and to also be a celebrity and how people treat you. And it was considered, I read, I read a review in the New York Times and people were like, this is just a really brutal, honest, like, no frills, no real necessarily happy ending um, experience, kind of in the same vein. They were uh, comparing it to Brett Easton Ellis's like mm. druggy fuel books of the, of the, of the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Um, 80s and 90s. And I was like, oh, that's such a cool, um, beautiful com- comparison. And then Mike Nichols took, uh, and Carrie Fisher decided, y'all, this could be a movie. Mm-hmm. This is a Mike Nichols joint, y'all. <laughs> this is a straight. Have we have we done a Mike Nichols joint? I don't think we have done a Mike Nichols joint yet. I love Mike Nick. Well, I of course love Mike Nichols, but some he is okay. This is something as much as this is called for the girls. I am going to talk about a couple boys I'm for, and Mike Nichols is one of them. He's such a straightforward director. He loves actors. All the acting in his movies is so beautiful, and he's not here to like. He never seems like he's reinventing cinema. It never seems like it's about him. He almost disappears in a way that shows how masterful he is as a director. And that's why I love his movies so much. He has a very strange, varying career. This is his third um, picture with Meryl Streep. He did first Silkwood. Heartburn. And then he did Heartburn. Mm -hmm. And then this one. Yeah. Um, And yeah, he's, and he's also known as a theater director. So yes, even during all of these, all of this, uh, uh, during the, the pre-rehearsals of all of this, he would get all of these actors in a room just to constantly hear dialogue. Yeah. That's how Annette Benning was cast. Wow. Ugh. She was one of these actors that was just, yes, I know. I know. Annette Benning's it. in this. Wait for it. Wait so, for so, it. So he does, yeah. And I also feel like he has a warmth 
too mm. like it's it's maybe like not like a stamp. Not, You're not like that's Mike Nichols stamp. Ah, there's like a there's like a kind of optimism. And the Birdcage is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes, 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 yes. Period. Yes. Period. Period. And you know he my al- other classic House of Roberts favorite film that he directed, Closer. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I also love that he also he um he really does uh kind of like a um a proper theater director. He is constantly working with people that he really trusts and loves. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also um, a comedian, you know, he and Elaine May had a comedy duo in the 60s yep. for a very long time and they had a double act and so he's he's actually extremely funny. And there are <laughs> there are takes that Meryl does in this movie that are just so perfect. I I think it's her funniest work ever. Well, again, Death Becomes Her, but... Yeah, I think this is funnier. Is. Ooh, battle. We love to battle. We have never battled. <laughs> and, of course, the last thing about Mike Nichols is Nick and I keep threatening you with some form of today's show, talk show, host. We've always loved hosts. And he has been married since the 80s to a queen, Diane Sawyer. He was. I mean, he's passed now. Rest in peace, Mike Nichols. Yes, rest in peace. But anyways, um, Diane yes, Sawyer the is queen. definitely on our list as a diva. <laughs> queen diva Diane. News. Okay, so here we go. Boom, we boom, go. boom. Is that Postcards enough? Did we give you everything you needed? Did we wet your whistle? So Postcards from the Edge is about Suzanne Vale, played by Meryl Streep. And when it opens, she's making this movie. She's making this. Actually, when it started, I was like, wait, is this a movie within a movie or is, is this the movie? And <laughs> that I was, was like, my first note. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, just wait for two minutes, girl. Chill. But I liked it. There's this theme that that sets up that I think is really smart about this movie and how Carrie wrote it, which is there's so it's so much about artifice and the artifice of Hollywood and how fake everything is. And. So Meryl's in this, you think she's maybe, you know, in Mexico and she's getting roughed up by these border patrol agent guys. And then she flubs the line and it's a movie being directed by another boy I'm for, Gene Hackman. (gasps) Yo, and you all didn't know, but snack attack. (laughs) I really wasn't ready for that. (laughs) You were ready? No? I mean, come on. Come on. I think, come on. Come on. I mean, come on. We're no. all used to Gene Hackman being a little grumpus, but this it was just like he was tan. He had more hair than normal. <laughs> His shirt was tucked in. I was I wasn't ready. I love his shirt being tucked in, being like the thing that really sets you off. Well, but I can tuck in my shirt. That means I'm doing <laughs> really well. <laughs> really, motherfucker. And I mean, not into my sweatpants. That means I'm wearing pants then, y'all. So yeah, looking at Gene Hackman tucking in those shirts and those jeans. Give me, give it to me. Yes. So he's plays the director, and she's doing some coke on the set, and she's her fucking stand-in is her coke dealer, and Gene Hackman like. You fuck up my movie, I'm going to kill you. What? You know exactly what I'm talking about, and so does everybody else on this set. I don't care what you do to your body on your time, but this is my time, my movie. And I don't intend to have some spoiled, selfish, coked-up little actress ruin my movie. I expect you to pull yourself together and work with us these last couple of days, or I'll kill you. I'll kill you before you kill yourself, and I'll do a better job. And so then Meryl does. I hated that. I actually thought like that was the beginning of showing um, how cruel you can be openly in front of everyone to women. Mm. I mean, he debases her in front of the whole crew. Yeah, and um, and everyone's just standing there watching. I was like, you would never do that to Tom fucking Cruise. No, like you would. You would get fired. 
Yeah. You as a director would get fired, but absolutely you can lord over this woman and shame her yeah. and think that you can control her. So, and, and to me, it really set that the base of what kind of I really love that that movie really lightly explores or explores. Yeah, and it also shows you where on the pecking order she is in, in terms of like what kind of a star she is. Like she's not a Meryl Streep level star. And I love right. how like that interaction shows you, oh, this isn't the first time this has happened. It shows you that she is maybe a little B-list. It shows you all of these things. There's so many storytelling points in that scene where you kind of get who she is instantly. Also, it might show that she has been a problem mm-hmm. and hard to, and hard to kind of wrangle yeah. in, in, into getting a set. And, you know, of course, like these... Movies cost a bajillion dollars. Every scene, every take yes. costs thousands, thousands of dollars. So if you're if you're screwing that, if you're flubbing your lines endlessly, like people are going to go bananas. Any and so, especially back when they used to make them on film, like it was so much more, much more expensive to do another take than it is now. So now people can do coke all the time. It's fine. In the '90s, it was a huge problem. Yeah, the digital world really ushered in the ability to do coke. Uh, the age of cocaine. <laughs> but so then she does what any sensible actress would do. She goes out and gets deeply fucked up and has a one-night stand with Dennis Quaid. Okay, now we can say, come on now. Come I on did now. think he looks terrible in this movie. Well, his oh, body... His Where body... am I? Where am I? <laughs> I want to have... I want to I wanna start being railed by Gene Hackman and Dennis Quaid right now. No, no, no. I fucking... You know Dennis Quaid is my number one dad fantasy, but that hair, that badly, like, baited, blonde, dyed highlights in his hair. Ooh. Yeah, but weren't you gonna... Weren't you looking for that snake to drop out of those tiny little trousers he was I wearing was. in bed? I was yeah. like... I paused and went back. I was doing it all... This was like I had my... That VHS girl. I was like, wait a minute. Wait to a minute. you're gonna get, like, a left ball hanging out? Yeah, yeah just like a... Just a little side nut. <laughs> So, a DQ side nut. I think he's looking crazy, sexy, like a like the Joker. He always looks. He always looks like the Joker without the makeup on, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he always does. has that like the fact someone that he never, split his mouth up. The fact grim. that everyone else in Hollywood has played the Joker at this point, and Dennis Quaid hasn't, is really fucked up. But nanas. <laughs> um. <laughs> so she ends up having a drug overdose, and he takes her to the hospital, and just kind of like leaves her there. And she, she's riding in this convertible, just like weekend at Bernie's style. I was like, is Meryl she is dead? funny in that. Yeah, it's so funny. She's like gives us a really amazing zombie dead person, and then all of a sudden she wakes up in rehab. And who's her fucking rehab director? Oh, the rehab director of all time. I was like, fucking motherfucking CCH Pounder, President Secretary Doctor. There is not a profession that she has not played. Exactly. She is like always in any movie where there are aliens, if there's a council of people deciding how we're going to interact with the aliens, CCH Pounder is on that council. Do you have to go to the core of the earth? CCH Pounder will let you know. Yes or no. The funding for the drill. Is there an asteroid coming? She will decide how many astronauts are going to fly to stop it. I can't, I, 90s, the, the, yeah, this is this movie. Y'all, this is a Friday night movie. We really need to say, this is a Friday night movie. Yeah. Real, for reals. This is like old school Friday night. And you're going to see a bunch of, <laughs> of, 
<laughs> of Miss Pounder's like level actors that you've seen in every movie around this time. Uh, like from so, here to nine. So many divas you should so know. Many. Put this podcast down, Google CCH Pounder, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, then come back and listen to the rest of it. Yep. Um, so she's in she's in the rehab and she Meryl is so amazing in this scene and how she's like how she's resisting this woman like resisting the fact like refusing to admit that she has a problem her just her face and her eyes and her she has she masters that Carrie Fisher wryness so beautifully in this scene um I love what she says to CCH Pounder uh, when she was when she was like um did you deliberately try to take your life oh please I'm sorry if the question offends you, but having to have your stomach pump usually indicates fairly suicidal behavior. Yeah, well, the behavior might be. Right. And I wrote, fuck, not. yes, that's the truth for all our demons. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I'm living on the edge with my postcards. <laughs> but don't mean I want to die. No, I'm just over here by the edge of the building. It's where I like to live. Yeah, I'm just kicking <laughs> off my heels for, for, and if the wind blows me off, so be it. Not my fault. And, but I just is like, that is such a, that is, that is the line for people who, you know, who are doing things that are, you know, could, could literally, I mean, Meryl Streep literally died. If, if uh, yeah. Dennis Quaid wasn't there, you know. Yeah, she would have died. She would have died. Yeah. And so she's waking up and wrestling with that. Yeah. And then she gets to go to an iconic fucking group meeting and all of that where her mom is supposed to show up. But of course she's late because she is a diva and an old Hollywood icon named Doris Mann. Now, in case y'all don't know, Carrie Fisher, who wrote this movie, her mom is Debbie Reynolds. And this movie is not about Debbie Reynolds. I don't care what anyone says. According to Debbie Reynolds, this movie is Fisher. not about Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. I mean, they, they both on they both during this time on record, and I really truly believe them when you watch this. They both say we actually don't really we didn't really fight. Like they both like well we we fought when you know Carrie was a teenager, but right now. We don't really fight. And, we, and we're going to do a Debbie Carrie Fisher episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there's a whole not, documentary on their relationships. Yeah. You, can, you can see they're really close. But it is kind of like, I think that this novel or this book is obviously something near to Carrie and her imagining if her mother and her went a different way. You know, or at least this movie. Like if her and her mother kept with the antagonism from her youth, you know. And if Carrie kept her drug addiction longer than she did because Carrie Fisher was clean by the time she made this movie. And Carrie Fisher, I mean, uh, I mean, Debbie Reynolds is like quintessential old school Hollywood. I mean, just she like was Doris Mann. Yes. And she was a Vegas act. Like, yes, just, all, you know, she would not leave the house without, she wouldn't go and get the mail without her face kind of person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so Carrie Fisher grew up with that as her mother and with everyone else. And so she knows this world inside and out. But yeah, all of that to be said, there are lots of similarities between Doris Mann and and Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) And the, and oh, 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 I had a pause. I had to pause and jump out of my chair and do a couple spins. (laughs) When Shirley showed up. When Doris comes on. Oh my God. Oh my God. And what is the first thing that happens is a gay stands her. 
Bart, this is my oh, mom. Oh, Miss Mann, I can't believe mom, I'm meeting you. Ever since I was about seven, I wanted to be you. Bart does you in his drag show. This is my lover, Alan. Oh, hello, Alan. Hi. Well, for good. What number do you do? Whistling Pines. I wear a costume that's almost exactly like the one you wore in the opening number of that marvelous Mrs. Markham. Oh, the one with the corset? Yeah. Oh, Mom. that was so difficult Mom. to wear. So... Sorry, boys. <laughs> nice Very meeting. nice meeting you. Yeah, see you later. See ya. Dear. Sorry, but you know it's how much literally our podcast. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually so, so touching. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. great. And she comes, and she comes to meet Meryl, and you kind of realize like the relationship between the two of them, and this kind of Which passive is so aggressive war. Yes, it's and what I love about you know okay so I just want to say it right here is that I think the things that I remembered about this movie led me to believe that this movie was pitched at 10 to the hysteronics at the, you know, and I, and I obviously remember what it was about. So I thought there was going to be a bunch of pitched at 10, um, uh, uh, addiction scenes and pitch at 10 mother and daughter scenes. And Shirley McLean was just going to be, you know, off her rocker. I was literally shocked at how, how much of a kind of lower, as my mom would say, kind of slice of life it is. Mm. Like it never quite yeah, slice went. slice of Beverly Hills life, yeah. Sli yeah, slice. I mean, it still can't be an, an, an amazing, but it wasn't all to the rafters. Like there was so much nuance just in that scene. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you could tell that they loved each other yeah. and that they're actually very comforted by their presence. But then you, but then it's just bat. Oh, ooh, and them volleying back and forth. In delicious. The, in the agents, in the agents' office, or the 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 lawyer's oh, office, or whatever. No, just at the beginning. No, just in that beautiful hotel room where, like, Shirley oh, McLean. Oh, the rehab room. Yeah, the rehab room. I'm supposed to start that new film. Well, I'm not going to do I it. I don't think you should do it, and I'll tell you why, Mother. I just said first, I'm not it is not a pivotal project it. in your career. And two, you're going to need time to rest and explore. And C, I think you should change agents, dear. I don't like what they're doing for you. Careers need planning. Your big problem is you're too impatient. You're only interested in instant gratification. Instant gratification but takes I don't want you to think long. about any of that right now. I'm going to handle everything while you're in here. No pressure. I don't want you to have anything hanging over your and head. And that is one of my favorite tactics that Doris has, is just talking over people. Hmm. which is also hmm. a tactic of mine when I'm uncomfortable or I'm afraid I just talk a lot, which is also deeply a tactic of my mother's hmm. to just talk just to fill plow. the silence, talk to fill the silence, talk to fill the silence. You, yeah. And like you start a podcast even, but Shirley McLean is so triggering to me in so many movies. And you text me this too the other day. I did. Cause she looks so much like my mom. It's like, I was even referencing the hands of Shirley. I was like, it's to the hands. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the wrist. I was like, oh my God, every single thing reminds me of Sally. Like, it's like her skin. It was, it was, it, ooh, I'm getting shivers even thinking about it. It was that close. But even in this scene, right, Shirley McLean's talking about her daughter's career. She literally brings up her career and starts trying to give her career advice. Yes. Like, that's insane. You're like, wow. Like, these people are not living in the real world. Yeah, anyway, she's really like my mom. And, um, like, to the point where I, um, like, a few months ago, Billy and I tried to watch Terms of Endearment, and he had to say to me, he was like, do we need to turn this off? 
And I was like, why? He was like, because you've been sobbing for seven minutes. (laughs) Because you're not watching it anymore. You're on the floor rolling around crying. I I love at the very end, Shirley McLean is like, I'll have some clothes brought by tomorrow. And your tape cassette thing for your music. And a quilt. And Sunday afternoon, Mary will come by with your video machine and some tapes and a, a plant. So blah in here. I don't know how to stand it. And then sashays away. I, again, got off my seat, did myself a couple spins because I was like, and that's how you do it. Yes. And also, we should mention Diva playing uh, Meryl's roommate at the rehab clinic is Robin Bartlett. Fucking Robin Bartlett Mm -hmm. as Aretha. Aretha. Um, And she's great. So anyway, so they get out. They have to find a way to... Get Meryl's career back on track, and the studio, the studio won't like insure her. Um, but someone does want to do this movie with her, which seems like kind of a B movie, right? It does, and I, I, I do think that you know, I think that we all do this. Instead of addressing an issue, we focus on something else that maybe we can control. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting that like right away we see Shirley McLean just being like, "Well, it, we just have to get your career on track." Because as we're going to soon find out, Shirley McLean has her own very related demons to Meryl Streep's. And they're both these kind of career-driven women. And I just think, wow, that's such a... There's something there, kittens. Mm-hmm. Don't, hide, don't hide from your dark places. The, the, fucking, the fucking death speech that she gives her about how she's going to die soon. Oh, the, it's uh, my favorite. It's... What does that mean? I don't want to alarm you, dear, but I do want to prepare you... I didn't tell you this before because of the uh, drug clinic thing and all of that, but remember my hysterectomy? The one last year. Right. Well, I, they found tumors. Really? Fibroid tumors. Oh, but isn't that normal, Mom? Usually. Usually it's normal. But in our family, dear, all the women die young. All have weak systems. Graham's still alive. Barely. And don't contradict me, dear. I'm just trying to tell you that I might not be around for very much longer. I don't want to alarm you. But I do want to prepare you for my death. It is so important that you understand how precious your life is for me. How did we end up talking about your death for my drug death? I wish you would change back to my business manager. I think you would feel better. I I know I would. And I think you should ask Dr. Feldman to take a look at you. Maybe you have tumors. (laughs) I had one as big as a grapefruit. And who is Grandma played by? Oh, I knew you were going to just have a... Did you remember this? I did not. I did. As soon as I started it, I was like, I'm going to get a visit tonight from the (laughs) genius of my lifetime, Miss Mary fucking Wicks. Oh, Uh, we talked about her before in Little Women 1991. 91 was a good year for Mary Wicks. Shit. She played (laughs) Grandmama and Little Women with Suze Sarandon. And fuck, she's the original Mary Poppins. She's everything. White Christmas. Fucking. Oh, she, she's really good in this. In her two scenes, like, uh-huh. she says a diva movie, and I'm having so much. Like, There's so many it. divas in this movie. Um, anyway, so Mary, so Meryl's shooting this movie, and Shirley, of course, throws her a fucking party. Like, no, 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 no. I've got to breathe. This scene. Take a breath when you watch this scene. It's everything. The party. Oh. Oh, I feel like I'm going to start crying. It's so good. It's so... But you're right. Like, she, like, turns it into um, 
I mean, a mix of like a distraction party, but also like let me take the attention away from my daughter by pretending that I'm putting the attention on my daughter. Also, I think that what I love what Meryl does is her reaction to slightly being horrified, but to also know that this is very common in her life. Mm -hmm. Like how inappropriate it is that you almost died and your mom wants to just have a bash with booze in it. Yeah. Like, like no sense of awareness, you know, and, and I, I, I love all of those tensions that kind of come out and still, there's still always an underline that these people really, they really do care for each other, even though it's keeps getting misplaced. Oh, and Shirley McLean is in this red outfit, honeys. Oh, like this is this is this is like they, Bob is Mackie for the is housewife. A, is it a skirt or are they in like the parachute? Are, are they no at the bottom? Is it a skirt or are they like parachute pants, harem pants? Honey, it's a skirt because when she does the leg twirl, oh yeah, she shows her fucking she shows she her shows her thong. red panties, yeah, <laughs> her <laughs> little pink like, panties. <laughs> I fuck I'm just about fell out when she gave us full waxed crotch in that shot. Um, Meryl, so, okay, so there, so, so, so we're at, so we're at this, like, so Shirley McLean's throwing this bizarre party for her daughter who almost died, and everyone's there, and, oh, this is when we start realizing that Meryl Streep is a, Meryl Streep's character in this, I would say, is obsessed with eating chips. Did you clock the amount of chip bags? She's so like, I chips. want chips and a Diet Coke, and y'all, don't tell Diet Dr. Pepper, but Diet Coke's my new favorite best friend. Oh, Diet Coke's my very special best friend. It's so fun. It's like so much fun. It's a very particular high. I when I'm shooting, when I'm making a movie or a TV show, I um, Diet Coke is what I always drink at work because I know like precisely how to ride up the caffeine high to the right our, moment. Our both of our moms worked at a school, and that was a drug of choice. Like mm-hmm. there was not a teacher in sight that was not just. Pounding. Fully mainlining I mean, Diet Coke. Nick and I lived about 30 minutes away, and, and, and but Sally would have to go th- past our house to uh, go shopping. She would stop at our house to refill her Diet Coke. On Diet mug. Coke. Yeah. Yep. Got to get more Diet Coke. Anyways, <sighs> so, so Meryl Streep's yeah, like. Meryl, yeah, she's on a full me right now diet, which is chips, maybe some pretzels. <laughs> maybe some pasta like out of a cold that was one of those moments there's a moment where she takes a cold pasta out of a tupperware and just Mm -hmm. eats it Mm -hmm. and that literally is one of those things where i'm like i think i learned how to do that from meryl streep you remember seeing that and thinking it's okay and i always think about meryl streep when i do that you know what that pasta is that pasta is pasta butter and that knock off you don't even have to refrigerate parmesan shake mm-hmm. that's what that pasta looked like to me that Ooh, i was like that's so it was fettuccine it was fettuccine this is a <laughs> cooking podcast um uh and and so and so they're at this party and it's like and it's just it's to i mean for me it's to the nines i'm living it's like also the fashion yeah 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 um and then shirley mcclain's like so not only have you gone through hell and back but why don't you sing why didn't you sing yeah, she makes Meryl sing a song. You give your hand to me, that Ray Charles tune, and then you say hello. No, no. Yeah, keep going. And I can hardly speak. Hardly <laughs> sing. My heart is beating so, and anyone can tell you think you know me well. Well, you don't know. 
not love Meryl all the time but Meryl <laughs> but she does loves love the singing. art of singing yes. in, in Ironweed she sings in this she sings of course in like Mamma Mia and Into the Woods and in a little movie called Ricky and the Flash <laughs> co-starring me hello 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 is this on uh, I don't know if you all have seen the film Ricky and the Flash starring Meryl Streep but she sings a lot of songs in it and one of the most joyous things about making that movie was in the wedding scenes where she sings. Those are the scenes I was in with her that she sings. She has other scenes that she sings in too. But she was also playing the electric guitar and she would do each song three times in a row with the band and we would dance to them each time and they were so different and so alive. And it was like, it was so much fun to watch her do um, that. I and they sang that. a song with her in that movie that's on the credits. <laughs> Girls. And when she came, she legit walked up to me. She legit walked up to me and was like, hey, I've got this idea. I want to bring you guys up because we were her kids. She was like, I want to bring you guys up on the stage to sing. But we were in the middle of these like long shots and she was like adding it. And the director, Jonathan Demme, was like, let's do this. Can you do this? And I was like, yeah. And Meryl is like singing the song in my ear. And I am paralyzed because singing is a singing in front of people is a deep phobia of mine. Oh my! I can't and do I, it. of course, like acting with Meryl Streep is very nerve wracking, and you don't want to disappoint her. And she's a very nice person, but it was one of the scariest things that turned. It was like an adre- a complete adrenaline rush. I love that she that she improv- was improvising and and ke- and kept changing it because for this she has to sing. Um, uh, you don't know me. Yeah. And and then right after that, who gets on? Wait, first I have a question for you. What's your favorite version ever of You Don't Know Me? Well, um, so, okay, so our diva covers it, and it's kind of a mess, I think. But um, uh, my favorite version was whatever was on uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, because I, oh. the only girl that ever broke my heart was Melina Williams. I know you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Look what you did. Look what you did to me. I have a podcast now. Um and I would always think about Melina Williams being like, she doesn't know me. I mean, if she did, she would not want to be with me. Oh, but, um, my, you're going to yeah. fucking die when you find out who sang that. Oh, my God. Was it Vonda Shepard? No, even better. Canadian diva supreme. Diva, you should know. Jan Arden. Yes! <laughs> yes! yes! I follow Jan I Arden win. on Twitter. I win! <laughs> okay. Wait, what's your favorite? Uh, Ava Cassidy. Oh, Beautiful. Ava Cassidy, so you don't know me, is really good. Um, I'll put it on our COVID playlist. Um, so Meryl does You Don't Know Me, and then Shirley motherfucking McLean mm-hmm. comes on and sings I'm Still Here, which is really my diva song. Uh, my diva Elaine Stritch's song. But, but the- Shirley... It, it, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, I mean, it. it it's, I mean, I. I can't. Yeah. Okay. So, so Meryl Streep tells this story that, um, and with the improvising that you were saying, which I think is like so great for what you. How, and this was like in two thousand when she was um, being interviewed. She says that um, during rehearsal, during the first read through, she uh, 
got up and she was like, and I did a lovely, you know, just a kind of off the cuff version of, of you uh, don't know me. And then Shirley got up and she had choreographed to the inch of its life. <laughs> she says everything you see on the screen, Shirley had already done at that first reading. I like her repeated like reach and pump of the elbow that she does, that move. Good times and bum times, I've seen them all. And my dear, I'm still here. Plush velvet sometimes, sometimes just pretzels and beer. But I'm here. 10 years of braces, voice and tap. Touring in places off the map. Giving auditions on Xanax's lap. <laughs> Never fear. My mother drew up the contracts, so I'm here. I've done commercials and club dates and talk shows. Gee, that was fun and a half. When you've done commercials and club dates and talk shows, anything else is a laugh. Black sable one day, next day it goes into hock. Monday, Tuesday, you're touring in stock, but I'm here. First, you're another true blue tramp, then someone's mother, then your camp, then you career from career to career. I'm feeling transcendental. Am I here? <laughs> I've gotten through. Hey, lady, aren't you? Who's it? Gee, what a looker you were. Or better yet, sorry, I thought you were. Who's it? Whatever happened to her? Good times and bum times, I've seen them all. Sometimes a kick in the rear But I'm here I've run the gamut A to Z Three cheers and damn it C'est la vie I got through all of last year And I'm here Lord knows at least I was there What she so that's that song is obviously iconic. It's done to death, but I never get sick of it because I've always felt like that, even when I was fourteen. Um, or well, ever. And, and also, Shirley MacLaine rewrote all of the lyrics for this one, so it was kind of brand new. <laughs> but she, okay, she okay beyond, but beyond that, also she just tells the characters who the character is, yeah. like that, and. 
y'all, y'all have seen nothing until she starts randomly slapping that piano. Oh. When I was like 12 years old, that was like the most iconic diva move I had ever seen in my life. Which Shirley that's how you act slap the piano. That's how you oh, gotta slap yes. the piano. You also, she, she piano. again makes fun of herself when she goes, I'm feeling transcendental, but I'm here. <laughs> it's like Shirley added all these little things to make a joke on herself, you know, to bring herself to Doris Mann, which I love. Shirley McLean is really egoless, I find, in her work. She is, and she really lets so much come through in her eyes. Like, there's a moment in that song, you know, in her, and it's just belted to the heavens where she grabs her daughter's face. Well, she says, I made it through all of last year, and I'm here. Oh like, God, Meryl so was the thing she had to make it made through. It through. Mm. And then you see, and then again, you see the thing in Meryl's face where she's horrified. But then she's in awe of her mother, too, at the same time. And when you're she like, claps, this is such a strange world to live in. When she claps for her mom, she and she's like, you can, it's, she's like a little girl again. And it's so great. And she's so proud of her mom. And she loves her so much. It's really amazing how complicated Meryl watching Shirley is in that scene. It's amazing. Would you okay, all we, believe if we told we you have that to keep we're going. only it's 15 minutes end. into this fucking film? <laughs> Would you believe if, if we... <laughs> Haven't even touched the middle of this film, but really, I mean, we got okay. Yeah, fuck us. We so always Meryl's think we're gonna to... do a light bop. Nick's like, this will be a <laughs> nice like, to really me. Light, light to me, when I was like, I was like, I don't have much to say on this. This is gonna be a hot forty-five. <laughs> I mean, okay. So the next bit is a lot of Meryl trying to make this really bad movie, in which I have no idea what this movie is about. She, plays I mean, some they kind never of tell us. They never tell us she's just a cop, and they're co- and then it's just a slew of men degrading her. Yeah, telling and her debasing to have her. my most hated note ever. Casting directors, I know you listen to this podcast. If you ever fucking tell me to have more fun <laughs> ever again, I'm going to fucking kill myself. It's essentially Meryl- like asking someone to like, hey, can you do that thing with like the spark of joy? What? <laughs> not now I not now that you said that I can't. That's well, I guess I didn't s- have what I thought I had. So <laughs> let me telling someone that they're flame. void of joy does not spark nope, joy. Nope, 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 nope. Um, but there are so many amazing Carrie quips. I, I'm not even going to be able to put them all in, but I'll try to put a couple of them in. Meryl is so funny. Like when <laughs> she's talking to Simon Callow, who plays the movie director, and someone comes by and takes her chip bag. is that hundreds of people have had conversations with me about my low enjoyment levels and my, and my, and, and, and it, it bothered me. So I would prefer to receive direction solely from you. Really? Hundreds yeah. of people? That shouldn't yeah. be. I'll have a word with them. I mean, we're talking about one day of work here, a day in which I was tied to a cactus and assaulted by snakes, you know, as if I were a child. Maybe I should give them my mother's phone number and she could come in and stand by and make sure I'm relaxed. That's it. That's her. That's the character. That's the quality I've been looking for. Now, what you're doing. Do you see? But Simon, this is not relaxed. And she does a take. (laughs) Like she looks back. She's so, it's just timed so perfectly. Her timing is impeccable and she underplays everything. And the other thing is she's so so funny. 
combining that with pathos. And I think Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, queen of acting. She's also, she's, I think a lot of that, a lot of that comes from she's the queen of thinking. Like you see her process in the moment, the lines that people are giving her. So like it starts with like, hey, can we just talk? And she's a little bit hopeful. And you just watch as everything keeps sinking in and getting worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. until the point where she literally hears that she literally is hiding in a, in, a, in a clothing rack, hearing the director just be like, God. Talk about how it- saggy her tits are to the costume woman who's played by another diva, Dana Ivey. I mean, I'm, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know the 90s Chalk until you see divas. this movie. Chalk full of 90s divas. Ugh. Dana Ivey, like, We are such an Sandler. old woman's podcast, babe. <laughs> like, this shit. Thank God Lady Watch had died before we started. Because <laughs> we are covering, we are all over their territory right now with the Dana Ivey shout out. Okay, but then... <laughs> But then Dennis Quaid comes back and they have this scene that, let me tell you, as a kid, I really did not understand this scene or anything that was going on. It was, as you would say, adult. (laughs) It was adult. This, I think, so this is probably my least favorite part, but I actually think it's, it hews closer to the actual book. Like I said, this, the whole mother and daughter aspect was not really ever written in the book. Mike Nichols kind of brought that to Carrie Fisher and right. then they developed it. Like, and Carrie Fisher was also like, how do I get my mom to, how do I get this character to her mother's house? And then they right. kind of came up with this scenario, which we actually didn't add. We, we totally skipped over. But the reason why, um, I Suzanne, that. I said that oh, we did, did we yeah. shit? I'm uh, well, I was, I was listening. Um, and so I think this part was is more in the in the book, and so but I actually found it. Um, I mean, I I think like it shows a progress of her character. You yeah, know, but it's in the also of- so many amazing Carrie Fisher one liners. I think I love you. When will you know for sure? I should never have told you. Very nice. No, no, it's good that you told me. It's very. Brave. Brave? Oh, right, yeah, because it's a long shot. You can never love me back. No, no, no. Well, who knows? I mean, you certainly are infatuation (laughs) material. (laughs) But she's like, he's so, he's obviously so full of shit and she chooses to buy it, which reminds me too of like, it's like an addict, you know, like Uh, choosing the drug of love. You know, and you just watch her and you're like, how could you do? I know you're smarter than this. And she even knows it. And she knows he's full of shit. But she's like, fuck it. Let's just fall. Yeah, I guess maybe there is a real good purpose to it. Maybe I take all that. Uh, again, I always take everything I say back because I don't. But I maybe it does show her choosing the messy path, the messiest path possible, mm-hmm. which is like instantly falling for what's very clearly all of this bullshit. I mean, yeah. like, why are you going back with the person this is that who you we, just had a rager with. <laughs> like, this guy is, this is definitely good. who we would call in modern terms a fuckboy. It's amazing how much of the language around addiction has changed since then. How they kept y'all, – y'all, if y'all do not take a drink when they say rehab clinic. Or what are they calling it? Drug clinic? They were calling it something that I was like, we do not say that anymore. Mm, yeah, I don't remember what they called it. Um, <laughs> that was a good take. <laughs> so that was a pretty good take. But then when she comes back, okay, I just have to get to the Shirley scenes. When she comes back from Dennis Quaid's house at like four o'clock in the morning <gasps> and Shirley is waiting up, this is my 
everything. This is my number one scene in the movie. It always has been. I had this on DVD when I was in high school, and I would just rewatch just this scene, and I had it memorized. Do you have any idea what time it is, dear? Suppose it never occurred to you that you might have scared me by staying out so late. I was about to call all the emergency rooms. I'm sorry, Mama. I didn't call you because I thought you might be asleep. And I came home because I didn't want to worry you. Well, you did worry me. Look at me, I'm a wreck. I'm sorry. What if you had been out taking drugs or something? I'm supposed to be taking care of you, Nan. You're my responsibility, you're my daughter. What was I supposed to think when you didn't come home? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I have a drink? Do you mind if I drop acid? <laughs> Dear, I drink socially. I took acid socially. <laughs> no, I hardly think that my drinking can be compared with your drug taking. <laughs> Even if it could be. I think that your involvement with drugs has vindicated me. I hardly think you're in a position to judge me. Mom. I do hope you were not out sleeping with someone. Oh, I wasn't out sleeping. You were. I hope you used condoms. I didn't raise you to act this way, but if you are, I hope that it's your morals in question and not your judgment. Ma, I'm middle-aged. I'm middle-aged. How many 120-year-old women do you know? You've just gotten out of a drug clinic, so obviously you don't. Cheryl McLean is sitting up and drinking, and she's been worried sick, and she does not have her wig on, and she's got a turban turban, on, and she has zero makeup on, and Cheryl McLean will just let it all hang out. The kind of multidimensional thing of all of this is that she's showing concern for her daughter. She's showing that she actually that she wants to have control of her daughter. Mm -hmm. I actually heard Carrie Fisher uh, say this about Debbie Reynolds. She was like, um, "My mother." Uh, unfortunately, is always right. Like every advice she gave me, it ended up always being correct as much as I hated it. And there is some of that in this mm-hmm. performance where like her mother is trying to give good advice. It just is just so sewn together with toxic to- toxicness because Shirley McLean yeah. has her own issues with her own daughter. Like Shirley McLean, as we all, as well, as we should know, has always been kind of what the what the conservatives would say a kook you know she believes she's a real new age goddess she's a real new age gal she believes in past lives she believes that's why i was mentioning that transcendental line and i'm still Mm -hmm. here she's always been super super liberal she's always been very anti-war um she is into reincarnation and all of it and she has written books about it and so her daughter has you know her daughter has an infamous book called Lucky Me, which is all about her struggles with her mother. Carrie Fisher. Uh, no, um, Shirley MacLaine's daughter. Oh, Shirley MacLaine's daughter. Shirley MacLaine's daughter had, wrote a book called Lucky Me all about, and, 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 and talks about how her mother put her on the plane when she was two to go live with her father. Man. In China. <laughs> and then kind of abandoned her daughter, as her daughter would claim. Um... 
and I and, and I think in this time I saw I saw interviews in the nineties and it seemed like she was Shirley MacLaine was living with her daughter, but I'm sure that there was tensions there. So the fact that like Shirley MacLaine is playing this mother, I think she's actually pulling from a source that's very true. Well, did you clock the um, iconic Life magazine what? cover? Yes, There's who's this, on that? That's Shirley and her daughter. Wow. When her daughter was a baby and they're both making the same kind of like silly face and it's on Life magazine. And I had that Life magazine growing up because my grandparents had a bunch of old Life magazines and I had all the Shirley MacLaine ones. Oh, well, that's what her, that's the album, that's the cover that Sacha uses for her book, for her teardown book of her mother. Oh, wow. So take that in. And so the best part during that scene, Shirley MacLaine's like, I just want you to like me. I just want to be your friend. Ma. Could we have this conversation in the morning? I'm very tired. Every time I try to get close to you, you push me away. How would you like to have Joan Crawford for a mother? Oh, or Lana Turner? These are the options. I think you had it pretty good. You or Lana or No, Joan. when I had my breakdown, I would have killed myself if it hadn't been for you. There it is. It's just like that that you say, I don't know. So here I ask you, my I boo. Who would your grand diva mama be if you had a choice? Is it between those three? No. Oh, it, oh the field Betty is Davis. open, Betty, honey. Betty, Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Yeah. 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 You just want to chain smoke with your mom um, out on a balcony. My, I want her to live in Connecticut in a really grand house that is far enough away from the city that she doesn't come in very often, but close enough that I can get there by train. Um, I just think I would learn so much from her. And she'd be so, like, quiet and bookish and teach you all those good New England manners. And I already know what it's like to grow up with a New England mom. So I think that there's a safety in that to pick another uh, New England diva to be my mom. I don't want to go too – I can't go too far culturally away from what I know. Well, I guess maybe if I – you know, just off the cuff, this isn't that original, but I'm going very culturally far away. And I would say Judy. Why? Because I can live in hotels – (laughs) <laughs> yes, I was never good at school, so I wouldn't go to school. <laughs> that's very and... <laughs> true. And you'd learn how to time step. Yeah, I would learn how to time step, and I would be able to eat like all the. We'd be able to get like bun buns and chocolate. I don't, I don't and, think you know... you're allowed to eat if you live with Judy. Judy wasn't. But I would. Up. I would. She would let her her cute little son eat. I'm the son. She's not even competing with her son. I get everything. That's I'm true. The, Joey probably pr- got to eat whatever he yeah. wanted. Yeah, Liza didn't, but I get to eat what everyone's not eating. <laughs> So you see, and Liza would get win. to be your sister, which would be the best. Liza is the best diva big sister ever because she'd always have cigarettes on her. She'd always have drugs. She just have. She would just enable everything. No one. Yeah, I would do all the drugs. No one would tell me no to get out of their high heels. Like they would be putting me in their high heels and just cackling and passing out. That's and true. I could that also save really them amazing. from cigarette from starting fires with their cigarettes. So that <laughs> would be. So that's who my mom. My mom aunt would be. Okay. Wait. Back to this movie. Meryl goes back on set because we're going to have to get to my other Diva Supreme. God, can you imagine if someone's just listening to this for the first time? I would, I would, I, I would be like, I would, everyone has a podcast. That's what I would think. Everyone, everyone. There's someone for everyone. Fucking podcast. So, um, Meryl goes back onto set and she hears that Dennis Quaid has also been fucking another woman in the movie named Evelyn Ames played by Diva Supreme my my problem the leader of my coven the leader she's the leader of the coven yes yes she is the leader I think her or Jillian Anderson are the leaders of the coven I think they're in a lesbian relationship and they rule 
together, mm. the coven. Mm. Mm. But mm. Annette Benning is my rising sun and moon and stars of the cinema. I love mm. her so much. She is really my favorite screen actress. And she has this ability to just what? I just think Air Supreme, I just really feel this, that she is like, I just really feel a connection between her and Shirley MacLaine. Like, Annette? Yeah. The Ooh, way yeah. they light up and the way that I'm just, the way that they hold focus and I'm just there fully in what they want to give me. Mm-hmm. Well, they uh, also, they also flirt uh, with theatricality in a way. Yes. But that's like, what holds me, girl. That's what yeah. holds me. Yeah, Annette is very theatrical, but also very real. But she also plays, right. like, surely she plays a lot of actresses. She plays a lot of... Grand dames. Grand dames. She plays people who are a little bit over the top. Not always. Like, if you want to watch, if you've never seen, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, and I've never seen the great film 20th Century Women. But it's greatest. one of the greatest performances of all time. I love her so much that even though I'm for the girls, I ha- feel like I have, like... <laughs> When someone, somehow, when people beat her out for Academy Awards, I can't like those people's work anymore. And I know that that's not fabulous, but it just is what happens to me because I'm so upset that it I'm glad she didn't get nominated for 20th Century Women because my anxiety level would have (sighs) been so extreme that I I was just like, I was was actively relieved. I mean, I was so angry, and I, if you ask my friends Dan and Stacy what it was like to watch that Academy Awards with me, they will answer, not fun. Anyway, Annette is amazing in this scene. She's perfect. She completely is the only person who could steal a scene from Meryl Streep, like, an hour into a movie. She's so good. It's a really long, it's kind of like a, a really long single tracking shot of the two of them. It plays like theater. She's playing this really actually sex positive free woman who uh, Meryl's character is very judgy of. What's the matter? <gasps> has, has he got... Oh, no, no, no. Oh, God, I hope not. <sighs> God, scared me for a second. I thought you were from some celebrity AIDS notification board or something. Could I ask you a personal question? You mean asking me who I sleep with isn't personal anymore? What do you want to know? If I smoke? (laughs) (laughs) When did you see him last? Uh, I don't know. A couple days ago. Um, Saturday. Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. (gasps) Yeah, what? Uh, I was with him Saturday night. That's two girls in one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just the ones we know about. Imagine what you could pick up about him if you got one of those satellite dishes. <laughs> How can you laugh? It's completely disgusting, especially in this day and age. Hey, you look like somebody who can take care of herself. Buy some condoms. Don't feel bad. He, 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 so Meryl runs scene. over to yeah. Dennis Quaid's house. Is this the great oh, yeah. scene? No, 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 this is not a great scene. She runs over to his crate's house. They have a big blow up. You know, he kind of degrades her. All of there's very few men in this movie. Hallelujah for this movie with very few men. And the men, which is. No, there are lots of men. They just have small parts. They have small parts. Um, And what I love is that they're all kind of shown as being fucking misogynistic. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. they're really degrading to women. And that's the way I see men. So. Truth, truth, truth to power on that one. And mm-hmm. yeah, Dennis Quaid's just a, uh, again, I think a total snack. And we get to see like his little tushy tush, which is, you know, oh, yeah. for, delish. 
So then she goes home and sees Shirley MacLaine, and Shirley MacLaine makes... I think this is the first time I ever saw a smoothie in my life. Well, wait, wait, no, wait. Before this, she comes home, and she's about ready to relapse. She's, like, really, like... Oh, yeah. She, like, gets some pills from her mom. Yeah, gets some pills from her mom, and then she goes downstairs, and this is the iconic smoothie scene, which is Where Shirley MacLaine makes a smoothie smoothie with a half a bottle of Stole. I have some news. What? Dreamt I lost some weight. Endorsed the line of clothing. Don't be fresh, dear. I have something inevitable to tell you. And I don't want you to be angry with me for having predicted it. What? Your beloved business manager, Marty Weiner. The man you insisted on staying with. The one I begged you to leave. Mom. Yes, darling? The news. I know. I'm just not anxious to tell you because I know how upset you'll be. I know how upset I was. Marty Weiner has disappeared. Disappeared? The police called here yesterday to say that he is nowhere to be found and neither is any of his clients' money. Meaning what? That I have no money? I don't know. I'm telling you everything. I Can't they find him? Can't I well, sue him? Well, of course, him? I contacted your stepfather's lawyer, Samuel Stone, who is terrific, so he's on it now. Oh, it's perfect. Just perfect. Thank God I got sober now so I could be hyper-conscious for this series of humiliations. One of the, like, the line that fucking kills me Ooh. in this and she, is when she says, go ahead and tell me what is the terrible thing that I did. And it is something that my parents do to me all the time. Like <sighs> this fucking guilt trip of like, aren't you alive? Which means that everything they did was okay. <laughs> because well... you're still walking on the planet. And... Oh, see, I, I, I guess this is it's so complicated for me as uh, being a queer kid because I come from both. I love that they show both perspectives, right? Where Meryl Streep was like, you've, where Suzanne was like, you've been a, you really messed me up. And then Sherman McLean's like, but I did good too. All you ever talk to me about is the bad I've done. And I do think there's always, I think there's, so, it, it's so complicated. And I do think for a lot of people, the wrong that the, that our parents have done to us we we hold in a certain way that doesn't just see them as the fucked up humans they are and letting them go. Right. I th- I think there's so much power yeah. in saying you're just a person. Yeah. That I was born to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think if we hold that that child pain, it's it consumes us. Yeah. You, does that make true. sense? Yeah. No. Sense? No. That's very true. are jealous because I can drink and you can't take drugs any longer because I can handle it and you can't. How do you handle it? My drinking does not interfere with my work. I wish that my mother had been as concerned about me when I was a little girl. Will you please tell me what is this awful thing I did to you when you were a child? I want to know. Tell me. Okay, fine. From the time I was nine years old, you gave me sleeping pills. That was over-the-counter medication, and I gave it to you because you you couldn't sleep. Sleeping pills. They were not sleeping pills. It was store-bought, and it was perfectly safe. 
Now don't blame me for your drug taking. I do not blame my mother for my misfortunes or for my drinking. Well, you don't even acknowledge that you drink. How could you possibly blame your mother for something you don't even do? Remember my 17th birthday party when you lifted your skirt up in front of all those I people? I did not lift my guy skirt. Michael. It twirled up! You only remember the bad stuff, don't you? What about the big band that I got to play at that party? Do big you remember band. that? No! You only remember that my skirt accidentally twirled up! And you weren't wearing any underwear. Well... <laughs> <laughs> and it's also funny how parents, the, like, again, so the, so we can't just accept that our parents are fuck-ups and let them go. Parents will also be like, I, oh, so you, like, we'll just, we'll say, like, three facts as opposed to being like, no, it was actually everything. <laughs> like, yeah. I just use those instances as examples. And so on the yeah. other end, parents are just like, okay, fine, I did this and this and this. Boo-hoo, I'm sorry. And they can't actually also take for account that like how messed up everything else in between was. Yeah. This is a part of a bigger pattern. This is part of a bigger pattern and part of just a bigger treatment of my life. Like, uh, it, oh, it's, it's so good. Again, there's still, there's still some, um, I don't know, some compassion in there too. And, but yeah, Meryl and, Streep's and, devastated. And so she's about ready to go full hog on the, on the, what are they? Weight loss pills? Sleep pills? But she has to go loop. And luckily, fucking Gene Hackman <laughs> and Daddy is there to catch her when she is going to fall in her looping. And he's really sweet to her. But she says this devastating thing in the scene with Gene Hackman. No, but the trouble is I can't feel my life. I can't feel it. I see it all around me. And I know that so much of it is good. You know, but that I just numbness. I'm really identified with that right now, that numbness. Honey. Oh, you know, honey, I'm on, I'm feeling the other way. You're and feeling all of it. I, there's something about, like, when, when we're in scorched earth, where mm. I do When we're feel not numb. in Cabot Cove. Yeah, we're not in Cabot Cove that I'm like, oh, I am alive. I'm not floating. I'm floating, but I'm also not, I'm not going to float the same. <laughs> like, does yeah. that make sense? Not really for me right now, no. no I definitely no. feel a, a big floating sensation. But anyway, she drives back to her house and she sees that her mom has gotten in a car crash. Oh. And we have one more final scene between Meryl and Shirley that is just so touching. delicious. So delicious. So and touching. Mary fucking Wicks. And Mary fucking Wicks. Yeah. And Mary fucking Wicks kind of showing that nightmares aren't just born, they're created. Oh, there she is. My other monster. I can't seem to keep you two out of the hospital lately. Okay. Yeah, she's fine. She just bumped her head is all. She was worried about you, and fat head that she is, she got into her car and backed up a tree. Oh. I don't know what I'm doing in this family. I got a wine old daughter and a doped up granddaughter. Oh, please. Oh, sure. Cry all you want. You'll pee less, as my grandma used to say. I swear, I don't know where you get it from, but you... Now, you're just spoiled. All your advantages, you just throw them away. I told you not to bring her up that way. So would you listen to me? No sirree, Bob. Well, don't come running to me now. Neither one of you. I got my hands full of grandpa. <laughs> and oh, fucking Meryl just grandma. shoves Mary Wicks out the door. And this is so Sally when Shirley MacLaine is like, do I have my eyebrows? You know it's... And, you, and then... And then like my mom, would put on, my mom would put on lipstick to talk on the telephone. Mm-hmm. And and you know that for a fact, the way that Meryl Streep is is lip reading, as Cheryl McLean says, it says in my will that I am not so, to go into the ground without my eyebrows. 
Mm-hmm. I lo- oh, give me that old time religion. I I've been trying to convince my mom stuff. to wear turbans. I've been trying. I bought her some turbans. I really want to get her into turbans. I think she could rock them. I show her pictures of Bet in turbans. And so, and, and there's and Can't so get her there yet. Shirley well, puts on a turban in this scene, y'all. She yes, puts well, on Meryl a really Street puts Meryl Streep puts her her mom's face on for her, mm-hmm. and and takes the scarf and puts it on her head, and. It's as if, and they both really are acknowledging that they're both in this world in, a, in, yeah. in just a very humane, centered way. That they're both fucked up, that they're both forever going to be celebrities, that there's paparazzi right outside the door. Yeah. And, um, oh, Shirley, that fucking line when, when Meryl explains to Richard Dreyfus, Richard Dreyfus plays some doctor in the movie, um, that there's everyone in this film, honeys. There's a bunch of men. But that, uh, when she's like, hmm. We're designed more for public than for private. It also shows her growth of that scene, because Richard Dreyfus, I would say inappropriately, um, asks her out. He's the one that pumped her stomach. Yeah, and then he inappropriately asks her out. But she, in a mature way, is like, I'm not ready for that. I'm, like, literally trying to recover. This is such a good movie. It ends with a song from Meryl that we'll go out on. She gets to sing another song in, like, the next movie she makes with Gene Hackman. And her mom is watching adoringly. I love that Shirley got up on that, like, high-ass rafter in the studio. Like, she knew where to go. Oh, she knew where to get her light. She's looking Could you imagine if they would have done a Sunset Boulevard remake with Shirley MacLaine? Stop with your cat. You do such good casting. That You you (laughs) do such good cat. That. Lord have mercy. Oh. That was a very Norma Desmond moment, though. Like, she's like, I know my way around the soundstage. I can find my way up to a rafter to watch this scene from on high. So for us, this is just such a nostalgic trip. We, I think everyone is in kind of in their powers. And as much as we were talking about it, again, it's, 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 they keep it light. They don't really go to the, as campy as it is, they don't go to so morose and wallowing. No. It's just like these two people trying to exist and trying to live and figure each other out and take care of each other because they're kind of all they have. Yeah, um, and like kind of the best and worst ways they can. It, it, absolutely, as we all are, as we all do from time to time. So I really hope you all give yourself, just give yourself a treat and kind of escape into this it's time a good, period. It's a good um, bookend piece with Rachel getting married, which we did an episode on a couple weeks ago. So watch <laughs> I, those, get your addiction girl, on. Weren't you also getting some comeback in there? The way yeah, that, some like, serious comeback energy too. People just kept kind of gaslighting Meryl Streep's character, yeah, uh, and telling her, you know, essentially what an awful person she was, um, mm-hmm. and that she kind of deserves, you know, to grovel for this role. So yeah, so I think there's like it was kind of a nice accumulation of all of this. And um, stay if safe. Is, if this is your first time uh, with this podcast, oh, go smash the download button. Um, follow us, us on review. Twitter and Instagram. Write us a review. Uh, go back. The first two episodes you have to listen to are Mary Kay Place in Diane, My Dark Legacy, and Diane Keaton in Palms, a film by David Lynch. They're Absolutely. the most two important parts of the canon, if you want to understand anything that's going on here. <laughs> yeah, really start there. Start there and branch out. <laughs> and branch out. Or just uh, stop there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and like tweet something nice at one of your favorite Aww. divas this week, you know? Yeah. Say something, shoot out something nice to, I don't know, Alfrey Woodard or Kira Sedgwick. 
Watch an okay. episode of The Closer and tell Kira Sedgwick how good she was on it. Wow, this is just free recs, y'all. This is just free <laughs> recommendations coming at chat. Keep you active charge. for the weekend. I'm not even going to charge for these. This podcast is brought to you by Rizzoli and Isles, <laughs> Diet Coke, and Frito-Lay, and a bag of Frito. I'm going to carry a bag of Frito-Lay around with my mask on, like walking down the street. Like, yeah, you oh, are. Oh, just have to carry my snack wherever I go. Oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. I love when actors eat on screen. It's just so iconic. They love doing it. Okay. It's a huge pain in the ass. Um, okay, we love you guys. Bye, babies. Until Bye. next time. No Au revoir. Bye. I found a new love and a new place to dwell where teardrops ain't sucking the floor. Take down my suitcase and hand me my hat I'm going from sleighs It'll swell Give that desk clerk a dime And you can just tell him that I'm checking out Yeah.